0: Lord, we ask that you would bless your word this morning. God, we've come seeking you because you are a great and awesome God, and we need to hear from you, God. Lord, I pray you would stir our hearts up this morning through your word and set us on fire for you, God. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit in our lives. We need God to live for you. And so, Lord, start the wheels going. Get the gears going, God. Start the engine in our heart. So use your word today, God, to speak to us. So we ask for your anointing by your Holy Spirit, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Where's the Amen? Amen. All right, there it is, a little more awake here, yeah. Hey, I want to start out here with this old joke about two men who went out hunting in the northern U.S. Suddenly, they they hear this growl away uh, uh, away off. And they see this huge grizzly bear charging toward them. Now one of the men, one of the two men, immediately just sits down, takes off his hiking boots, and puts on his running shoes. Well, the other man says, what what, what are you doing? There's no way you can outrun the grizzly bear. Well, the first man replies, I don't have to outrun the grizzly, I just have to outrun you. (laughs) Probably heard that before. (laughs) I love that. In the surf, we joke about that with sharks, though, you sharks. But anyway, a charging bear can motivate you to run for your life. But what motivates you to run your race for Jesus? What is that? I was thinking about this quote from C.T. Studd. He was a missionary in the 19th century. He actually went to China. He went to Africa. He even went to India. But this is what C.T. Studd said. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Isn't that good? That's our motive. Our motive is what Christ has done for us in dying on the cross and making that sacrifice. Well, today in our study in the book of 1 Peter, we find that very thing. What Jesus did to save us is what motivates us to live for him. This is to be the source of our inspiration. That's the title of our message this morning. The source of our inspiration. Or the source of inspiration, sorry. Verse 8 We're going to be looking at verse 18 to verse 21 this morning. And here in this section, I have four headings in our outline. Number one, the predicament. Number two, the precious blood. Number three, the pre-planned work. And number four, the promised future. So that's our outline. That's what we're going to be seeing in this passage here. Four, the source of inspiration. The source of inspiration. Let's begin with number one, the predicament. The predicament. Now, we're only going to take the first part of verse 18 in this section. So take a look at that with me right now. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. Stop right there. We begin actually here in verse 18, mid-sentence. Last time, if you remember, at the end of verse 17, Peter was writing basically that we should conduct ourselves with fear. And I explained the word fears more uh, talking about reverence to God, that we would live in reverence to God, in in fear of the Lord, and honoring Him, and respecting God. Now, our last section from verse 13 to 21, we covered our title was Living Life for Jesus. So we're actually continuing on in that thought about living life for Jesus. And in this section, I want you to be inspired to live Life for Jesus. So Peter goes on here now. Believers living life for Jesus, knowing now he says that you were rans- ransomed by God, ransomed by Jesus. Now the word ransom here it is the Greek word lut- lutroo, lutroo, and it means to release by paying a ransom, basically to set free uh, by paying a price. Now some of you with, still with the New King James, I'm studying out of the ESV today, but you know the Old King James word is redeemed. We've heard of that, right? Our redemption, we've been redeemed. But the word means ransom, thus uh, uh, translated here in the ESV. Now, in Old Testament times, a person, the consequences of a person's debt would result in that person becoming a slave, a servant to the one they owed the money to. And in Old Testament times, there was a way that they could be free, and that is their next of kin, or the kinsman redeemer, a family member, could pay that debt, and then that that person would be released from being that slave, and then they would be set free from that. So, I could see Peter having this in mind when he's speaking about Christ, when he uses the word ransom or redeem here. So God paid the ransom to free us from our predicament. That's really the idea as we go into the rest of this uh, uh, section of this verse, this part of this verse. So he says, knowing that you were ransomed from what? From the feudal ways inherited from your Forefathers, feudal ways really means like useless ways or worthless ways. It, it speaks about the worthless attempts that we try to make to get right with god that that's that's the idea here. This is what he's putting out here, right there's nothing we can do there's, there's no, none of our accomplishments. Uh, cannot free us from the bondage that we are slaves to sin and the consequences of sin in our life. So that's what Peter's putting out here. And he adds here in verse 21, uh, uh, I'm sorry, verse 18, saying, from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, or what you learned from your ancestors. ancestors. what well, you learn from your father before you, father before you. Now, this refers to how these Gentile believers, they were trying to get right with God through basically we call religion, through the rituals, through doing good things. Deeds or certain things. And in speaking to the Jewish believers that he's writing to. How they tried to get right with God through Moses, following Moses' law. Or through the sacrifices and traditions, the Jewish traditions. So Peter's like, hey, you know, God ransomed you from all the rituals, all the traditions, all the good deeds. All this futile, worthless ways to try and get right with God. It it never could take care of the problem of sin. It could never get rid of that bondage to sin. Now, sometimes we do think, don't we, that, well, if we can do enough good, it can offset The sin, the bad, right? If you put more good in there, well, hey, maybe God will see that. And then forgive me, and I'll be set free from the the bad, the little bit bad. I mean, I'm a pretty good person. Um, I try and do things right. And so God's got to see that. But that doesn't work with the Bible. One sin, just one sin, taints the whole thing. Just one sin is enough to judge you and to bring judgment upon you, just just one little sin, and I would say nobody in this whole world is perfect and has lived a perfect, holy life. The other day, a dear friend was at our house and enjoying a cup of coffee, and a, a, a tiny bug flew into her cup, doing the backstroke, you know, and everything. Now, I was kind of watching her and, and she was trying to fish it out, but then she ended up just dumping the whole thing, right? Because would you, you know, a little fly, flies in your cup, in your drink, are you going to, like, fish it out and go, oh, no, it's okay, I'll keep drinking it. Not me, maybe you would, but you're strange if you do that. No, just, just joking. I mean, mo- most of us, we just dump the whole thing. Because even though the fly is really tiny compared to the amount of liquid that's in that cup, It still tainted it, right? It's still like, ooh, bacteria, who knows, viruses, ew, it's it's, it's gross. Well, that is the way it goes with our sin. Even one sin, even one tiny sin, it can taint everything. So no matter how many rituals you may perform, how many good deeds you do, how many things you, you think you can do to, to work your way into heaven, that one sin still has tainted everything, and it doesn't work that way. So here's what Peter is saying here. God paid the ransom for no matter how hard you may try, you can never pay it, pay for it yourself. That, that's what he's just really putting out here. God paid the ransom. You know why? Because we couldn't. God paid the ransom because no matter how hard you may try, like what you were told, how you grew up, that you got to do these things, you can never pay that ransom for yourself. It's been well said. You've heard this before. I usually say this right around Christmas and Easter. But he paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. That's that same idea in the same. Maybe you're in a predicament, quote unquote. Maybe you come here this morning. Maybe you've been, you've been weighed down by your guilt. Maybe you've tried to do those works. Maybe you tried just going church, that's going to fix it. Maybe doing the rituals and, and, and trying to do good things, everything you can think of, but you still feel something is lacking. You don't feel forgiven. You don't feel right with God. You're still carrying that guilt upon you, and it's weighing you down. You know what you need? You need God's ransom. You know, you know what you need? You need Jesus. Jesus is the only way that you can get right with god so let's go on to number two now the precious blood the precious blood we're going to go on in verse 18 so we're going to look at verse 18 the second part 18b to verse 19 through verse 19 take a look with that take a look with me right now it says that not with perishable things such as silver or gold but with the precious blood of christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So how did God pay this ransom? Verse 18, knowing that you were ransomed. Well, how? How was that? Well, first of all, Peter says, you were ransomed, not now, end of verse 18, with perishable things such as silver or gold. Perishable means things that decay, things that can decompose. Decompose. It, it means that things really that don't last into eternity. That's the idea. Silver and gold may be the most valuable thing we have here, maybe at that time, and it's what you pay to free slaves and servants. It's 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 money. It's monetary way of of, of paying and freeing someone. But Peter's saying, you know, even silver and gold, that that cannot free you from sin it doesn't free sinners but what he does say secondly that you were ransomed by what verse 19 but with the precious blood of Christ Jesus shed his blood on the cross Jesus died basically shedding his blood his blood came out and that meant he died to pay the ransom to redeem us to set us free now, when we talk about the blood of Jesus, you ever th- think about that? Like, wow, you know, the Bible really talks a lot about blood. That, you know, for me, I don't like those kinds of things. I mean, whenever we're watching some show and there's surgery or someone gets shot and there's blood all over, I'm like, oh, ooh. You know, the surgery shows, my wife's like, ooh. Wait, no, I want to fast forward. No, 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 keep it on. Down. I, I-, I want to see what me. Oh, I don't like that. I'm a baby about that. Sorry. But sometimes we think, "Wow, the blood, why, oh, you know, there's a lot of blood here in the New Testament. Matter of fact, there, there have been many churches saying, well, we don't like the word sin. We don't like blood, so we're going to take all of that out in our preaching and our songs. We're not going to do songs that talk about the blood, none of that. And, and, and it's weird that they divert from really even what we see here before us that we have been ransomed by the precious blood of Christ. So what does that mean, the blood of Jesus? You know what? It means we have been atoned. It speaks about atonement. So when you think about the blood of Christ, it's really talking about the atonement, the atonement that God has made for us to be saved. So that atonement means forgiveness of our Sins, so we can now be made right with God. So understand that when we talk about the blood of Jesus, it's about Jesus sacrificing and dying, and the blood of Jesus, it speaks about the atonement of our sins, which means we can be forgiven. You see, sin separated us from a holy God, but Christ's blood makes us right with God. I hope that's clear because peter's making it clear here for us many ask that well blood why then why is it just there's a need for that blood why is that you know well let me read to you this and it's it'll be up on your screen too but on the tv screen here but uh, leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 says this for the life of the flesh is in the blood that means if the blood comes out right you die and here's God speaking, I have given it for you on the altar to what? make atonement for your souls. So in order to atone for sin, there has to something has to die. And it goes on for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So that's the way God set it up. That our sin, which separated us from God, can only be atoned for by the blood being shed, or a a, a something a being died. Yeah. So, here's Peter, right? Peter saying now, first of all, you were ransomed not with perishable things like silver and gold. You were ransomed, you know what, with the precious blood of Christ. And then he says here in verse 19, you were ransomed by, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Well, what is he saying there? Well, he's saying by the sacrifice lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who is without blemish or spot. In in the Old Testament, sacrifices, uh, the lamb had to have no blemish, no defect. It had to look perfect. Why? Because the spot represented sin. And if there's something wrong with the lamb and the spot, represented sin, the sacrifice, it, it, it couldn't die for itself. It had to be sinless or it cannot atone for another sin if it already had this defect in itself already. So that's why Jesus, the Son of God, had to come from heaven, perfect, sinless, become a man to die to be that spotless Lamb of God. A sinless Son of God had to die for our sinful people. If, if, if there was sin, say to speak, uh, he couldn't die for everyone else because he already had a problem, but he didn't. So you see, like a lamb without blemish or spot, that was Jesus Christ. That was Jesus who's sinless, who came and died for us. So do you understand he's presented, presenting here? Salvation is now possible by the precious blood of Jesus. Salvation for, all, for everyone now is made by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You know, and if you think about it in Genesis, right, after Adam and Eve sinned and they fell, many theologians believe the animal that was killed for their covering because they're naked, many theologians believe that that was actually a lamb that covered each person's nakedness. If we go to Exodus, in the book of Exodus, in the first Passover, the blood of the sacrificed lamb was put on the doorpost, right, of the, the Jews' homes. And that saved, that act saved the Jewish nation from the death angel. And you know what, in the book of John, when John the Baptist saw Jesus, what did he declare? He pointed to Jesus and said, the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is that lamb of God. And do you see this progression? There was a lamb sacrificed for each person back in Genesis. There's a lamb sacrificed for a nation. And the lamb of God was sacrificed for the world. So, because of God's ransom, because of Christ's precious blood, I want you to see this. Salvation is Free. Because God paid the highest price to secure the purchase of your salvation. This is the precious blood. This is why it's precious. God paid the highest price. His son, his only son, John 3.16 says, right? The old version, only begotten son. Salvation is free because God paid the highest price to secure the purchase of your salvation. Many years ago, Alan Shepard—maybe you know his name—he was the first American to astronaut to go up in space in 1961. First American. He also flew as commander on the Apollo 14 mission in 1971 and actually walked on the moon. Now he was asked his thoughts: what What was going through your mind? You know, when you were up there in space. You know what he said? He said. It's a very sobering feeling to be up in space and realize that one's safety was determined by the lowest bidder on a government contract. <laughs> That's so true, right? If you think about it, oh, is, am I going to make it home? Am I going to make it all the way? You know, is the thing going to just blow up right away? I, I, I thought that was really funny. But God did not skimp on securing, securing your salvation. He gave the most precious thing to him, and that was God the Son. And and the precious blood of Christ is the highest price that God could pay. So you would have the highest gain in salvation and be set free. There's something else I want you to see here, too. Now, the second thing I want you to see, if the precious blood of God's precious Son was shed for you, then you know what? You are precious to him. Think about that. God had to send his son. It was the only way to save us. And so he sent his precious son. And Jesus died. But if the precious blood of God's precious son that we're reading about here was shed for you, then here's something you have to know today. You are precious to God. You are precious God. You are precious to Jesus. Do you hear that? You are precious to Jesus. Understand that because God sent his son to shed his precious blood. That's important to know that God paid the highest price he could because you're precious to him. You're special to him. He loves you that much. I was hearing about how when a young man walks into the jewelry store with his fiancée to buy her a diamond ring, that's a bad idea to bring your fiancée. You if, if you're not already uh, married and you have a girlfriend, yeah, and you want to ask her you know, to marry you, don't get the ring with her there. Why? Because the first question the jeweler is going to ask you, right, is how much are you willing to spend? That's a trick question with her there, Right? She's standing there. What do you think's going through her, her head? Yeah, how much are you willing to spend on me? No. Hmm. How much am I worth to you? Maybe you're thinking, well, you know, the, the little plastic ring from the Lucky Charm cereal box. That's good enough, you know. No, but but that that's it, right? God gave his very best. God paid the highest price because that's how precious you are that's how precious you are listen the only antidote to atone for the sins of the whole world is the blood of jesus and so god did that for you sent his son because he loves you i hope this morning all of this is starting to connect for you for you i hope if you're online, you're listening to this, and, and you never really understood, what is this Jesus dying? All that. How does that work? I hope this is connecting as we're studying this passage here. I hope that you see what God has done for you, right? The ransom you pray. It, it's something we, 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 we cannot do. It's not what we do, you see. It's what God has done. It's, it, it's not something we earn. But it's something, what? We receive. We can receive that forgiveness and atonement for our sins by just believing in what Christ has done on the cross. And let me say this for you believers. You beloved children of God, the shedding of the precious blood of Christ should, you know what? Motivate us. Shouldn't it motivate us? Shouldn't it inspire? Fire us, as we connect to the flow in this passage in the context has, has, where Peter's been writing about, live life for Jesus." Well, that should motivate us to live for God in all that he's done for us. That needs to be the source of inspiration. All right, well, we've seen the predicament, the precious blood, and now we go to number three, the pre-planned work. The pre-planned work. So here we are going to be in verse 20. Verse 20 will cover this section. He was foreknown, verse 20, before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. All right, so Peter continues to write here. And he says that he, that was Jesus now, was foreknown before the foundation of the world. What is he saying? Well, foreknow means pre-plan. In other words, God had set a plan in motion before the foundation of the world. In other words, before everything was created, that's what that means. So way back in eternity past, before all of what we know today was made, Genesis, everything, before Genesis 1-1, God had pre-planned us. God had foreknown. God had planned for Jesus to come to shed his precious blood to save us. You see, this, this plan of God to save us through Christ, this was not some reaction to the fall of, in Genesis with Adam and Eve. It wasn't like he's like, oh, no, Adam and Eve, they blew it. Now, what, what are we going to do? we got to do something. Hmm, what should we do? Well, maybe, okay, maybe, uh, Jesus, we got to have a talk. You know, you're going to have to go and become a man and die on a cross and be the atonement for all the sins. It wasn't that at all. It was already set. And you know what, for me, it says that God loved me. God loved you before the foundation of the world. Isn't that great to know? That he knew ahead of time. He knew we would be born. He knew that you would need a savior, that you would need atonement, that you need the ransom, you need to... Be redeemed. He knew that. And he thought of you and I. That's love. That's love right there. And so today, Peter goes on, today it was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. In other words, it was made known to you today. It's made manifest. Now you know this now. You have been given a gift, basically, to understand the gospel and what Christ has done. Now, when Peter says here in verse 20, In the last times for the sake, for, for, for the sake of you, for your sake, for God's love for you, the last times. Well, in the New Testament, when they talk about the last times, it, it really technically refers to the time between Christ's first coming and his second coming. So that's where we're at today, too. So you can basically say, look, it's right now. God today yeah, has brought this to your knowledge. God today has spoken to you and saved you. Even though this was pre-planned from, from eternity past, God in his love has brought it to you today. And you know what he's saying? And this is the point here. You are not an afterthought. You are actually a special part of God's incredible, eternal plan. He made it manifest to you for your sake. Because he wants you to be part of that plan. Isn't that great to know? That's God's heart. That's God's love. You're not some afterthought. Oh, no, we got to do something about Rick. Oh, he's, uh, oh, wow, what am I going to do? No, God already had a plan because of his love for you, for me. and wanted us to actually be a special part of this incredible, eternal plan that God has in saving us and bringing us into a right relationship with him. The Puritan Thomas Watson wrote, Great was the work of creation, but greater the work of redemption. It costs more to redeem us than to make us. I love that. God didn't just create us and leave us. Well, go on, figure it out yourself. Go on, you better do right. Go on. He didn't do that, but he made a plan to save us. And then he brought that plan to us. Then he reached out to us to save us, you guys. And that came at a great cost because of his love. What a source of inspiration this is, that God would do all that for us. So we see, number one, the predicament. Number two, the precious blood. Number three, the pre-planned work. And finally, number four is the promised future. The promised future. And this is what we find in verse 21. Peter writes here, Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Now, Peter says, since it's through him, Jesus, that you're now believers, it's through Jesus that now you're saved, and since Jesus, we know, we believe, that he was raised from the dead, that he was resurrected, that Jesus is alive and has ascended into glory, and he sits in power in heaven now, since we understand, we believe, we've been saved through Jesus, we know he's alive, he's, he's in power Then you know what he says, then you can confidently put your faith and hope in God. That our future is set, that what we believe in, we our sins have been atoned for. Jesus is risen, that we can be alive too when we die. That we can go to heaven, that our eternal future is secure, that we have a promised future. And that's heaven, which, which means, you know what, that's our home. <clears throat> that, that's what Peter's rolling into here and coming into verse 21. It's like believers of God, we know he's raised, so we're going to be raised. He's ascended into glory, and you know what? We're going to have glorified bodies and live in the glory of heaven too. And so we put our faith and our hope in God and what he's going to do. And we're going to go home one day to heaven. That's our home, not here. Turn to the left, turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and I just want you to see this with your own eyes. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. Ephesians 2:19. Ephesians 2:19. Paul the apostle writes here Ephesians 2:19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Look at what Paul is writing here in Ephesians. So then, you're no longer strangers and aliens. In other words, in Christ, it, it, being saved, we have access to God. In a, above verses, he talks about, but it, being saved now as people of God, we're we're. we're We're no longer strangers and and aliens to God. We are now fellow citizens with the saints. We're no longer strangers and aliens to the people of God, but we're citizens and saints, uh, members of God's household. Think about that. Salvation has made you a child of God, put you into the family of God, and now a citizen of heaven. That's what well, God has for you. That's the future. So, our last point this morning is this. Since your future is secured by Jesus, you know what? Be inspired today to live for Jesus. Since your future is secured by Jesus, be inspired today to live for Jesus. Isn't that the way it should be? Isn't that how we should live our lives? Jesus said, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Are we going to live like, well, this is it? Or are we going to understand, no, our soul belongs to God. We have a home in heaven, and that's what our focus should be. See, the world is not your home. So why are we living for for the things today? Shouldn't everything, shouldn't our heart, be desired toward the eternal things like we talked about a few weeks back. We should be living for Jesus because this is not our home. I read about this American tourist who was visiting an old Polish rabbi, uh, Horat Kahim. The American was astonished to see the rabbi's room. Simply, it had a table, bench, and some books. Rabbi, where's your furniture? The tourist asked. Where's yours, replied the rabbi. Mine, said the American, I'm just a visitor here. I'm only passing through. Well, Hofitz Kaim said, so am I. That's the idea. We're just passing through here. Our home is in heaven. So shouldn't we commit to Christ to live for him? Give up those things that you've been living for here, but start living for eternity that's coming. Jim Elliot, this uh, famous missionary, he said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. So as we come to a close here, if I could say this, the precious blood of Jesus, that's what should inspire us, what Christ did. The precious blood of Jesus, you know what? That inspires us to change our lives, to live differently. I'm going to share and close with this how, uh, I don't know if you ever read the book Through the Gates of Splendor by Elizabeth Elliot. She gives this account of the death of her husband, Jim Elliott, and uh, four others who were killed in 1956, I believe it was in January. And the, the, these five men were trying to reach uh, these Alca Indians in Ecuador with Jesus. They are trying to share the gospel. They brought their families there and everything. And they actually, um, they, one of them was part of the missionary aviation a ministry, And they f- actually flew into this remote area and started reaching out. And then and they were brutally killed. Um, <clears throat> I remember reading later that it, it seemed like there was a rumor that's, that someone started in the tribe about these guys. That, that they were dangerous and that's why they got killed. Isn't that crazy? It, it made me think about what rumors do. What gossip can do. But anyway, these guys died when they are reaching out to these people. Elizabeth Elliot actually returned with her daughter and some of the other wives back later to actually reach out to them, and actually many of them got saved. Amazing story. But anyway, when these five died, the news went around the world at that time. It was major news, and it reached the ears of the world, and you know what? It changed lives. These guys who gave their life to try and reach these people for Jesus. Let me give you some examples out of the book. In Brazil, when they heard about this, a group of local natives dropped to their knees and cried out to God for forgiveness for their own lack of concern for their fellow natives who did not know Jesus. An Air Force pilot stationed in England immediately began to make plans to join the Missionary Aviation Fellowship just like some of these other guys. A missionary in Africa wrote, we knew two of them. Their lives left a mark on ours. Wow. Off the coast of Italy, an American naval officer was involved in an accident at sea. He floated alone on a raft, and he started to think about Jim Elliott's words, which had been quoted in a news report, and what he remembered was Jim Elliott saying, when it comes to die, make sure that all you have to do is die. So with that, the naval officer prayed to God to be saved and rescued, knowing that he had more to do for God, for Jesus Christ. And you know what? God answered that prayer, and he got rescued. One more in Des Moines, Iowa. An 18-year-old boy prayed for a week in his room after hearing how these men gave their lives for the gospel. He then went to his parents. He came out and announced, I'm turning my life completely to the Lord. I want to try to take the place of one of those five. When we think about Christ's sacrifice, how he shed his precious blood, that should affect us. That should change our lives. We should immediately give our lives over to him. Stop living for self. Stop living for your own convenience or your pride. But live for the glory of God. Live to share the gospel gospel, to be a light. You guys, we're, we're, we're living in a time where things are dark, where there's uncertainty, whether economically, politically, what is going on in the world, war in Ukraine, what's going to happen, the Middle East, everything. There's a lot going on. And in in, in let me tell you, there's, prophecy shows that we're set up for what's coming soon, in the end. What's coming in that last seven years of this world as we know it before Christ returns. And prophecy tells us that before that, and I believe, that the rapture of the church will happen. And with things being set up, let me tell you, I believe that the rapture is going to be soon. So this is a time for us to really double up our efforts double down you know fighting satan and his attacks and temptations. this is a time that we stop playing games but live for jesus christ but you know what the bottom bottom motive should be is because of what christ has done for us that he shed his precious blood so let that be the source of inspiration. Let's pray. Lord God, I am in awe, Lord, and in, in in all that we have discovered and studied here today. God, I, I am reminded of what the gospel is. Sometimes we can just oh Jesus died on the cross, Rose again from the dead, and but we don't really think about the depth of that. Of 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 why salvation comes that way we don't really think about the depth of your love and the what it cost you jesus to save us lord understanding that it was your blood your precious blood that you shed god what more can we do for you but give you our lives lord live for you sacrifice lord what what our own self and pride and what we think and, and and our own glory or what we want, our conveniences. God, let us not live that way anymore. Let us not be lazy about our spiritual walk with you. Let's not just think, oh, well, we can live like how we want and, and then come church and live live for you and then go back into our life during the week. No, let our life be all about you and God, stir us up right now. I believe, Lord, that by your Spirit you are stirring us up right now. God, that you would light a fire in our heart, a passion for you, a passion to live the, the rest of our lives here and before the rest of our time here before the rapture comes for nothing but you, God. Lord, We want to be missionaries, God, right where we're at. In our homes, in our neighborhoods, at our workplace, at school, wherever we go. God, let us be your light because people need Jesus and we need you. I know, Lord, some of us are hurting. Some of us here right now come into this room or connected online and 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 there's a lot of things going on, and it's, it's difficult. But God, you shed your blood so that now we have access to you, that we can come to the throne of grace and find help in time of need. And this message is just as important to understand that your precious blood that was shed means we are precious to you. So God, give us comfort in that. And no matter what we're going through, that you are here, that you, you, are, you are working, that you are concerned too, that you want to move, that, that your power is, is great and you can fix things, you can help, you can get us through, you can heal, you can free us, Lord. God, I ask that you do that through your spirit, Lord. You just want us to come to you right now. Lord, I pray that you draw us to you right now. Understanding these truths, that now we can and we can find forgiveness, healing freedom, help, and strength. We can be with you right now. That's what you're calling us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.